It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. following presentation is an Elmarva Studios production. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. It's another edition of the Flat Earth Files. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I know some of y'all out there getting a little bit of an extended weekend with the President's Day's holiday. If you got the three-day, uh, congratulations. Hope you have a lot of downtime and are able to spend some time with the family. We've had uh, some uh, pretty incredible weather here for the month of February. I think today it was 55, and it's going to be close to 70, uh, I think, uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Just crazy weather we're having. Well, I got to spend a lot of time with family this weekend, and hope you did too. Hope you did too. Um, we're going to kick off today. We have two emails I would like to share with you, and uh, don't forget, I'll have at least three or four video clips for you in the show description. Also, because many of the questions that you send me, um, I have the the Flat Earth Clock app from uh, Dave, David Weiss. I will put the link to that as well. Uh, I don't get a percentage. I think it's two ninety nine or three ninety nine uh, to download it. And it's worth every penny you get. He sends you a video every morning. They're, they're normally about four or five minutes on the weekdays. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, he may send you some longer videos. But the, the really cool thing about the app, and again, I'm not affiliated with it. I don't make any commission or anything. It's just very handy. And I like... Uh, things that work for people. There's a question mark on the app, and it's the most commonly asked questions. Where's the edge? Ships over the horizon. Gravity. The Coriolis effect. Satellites. GPS. Um, what about the tides? Eclipses. It's all on there in the in the uh, frequently asked questions. So again, I'll put that link in there uh, in the show description. So you know you're more than welcome to check it out if you would like. Um, now, I, I did have an interview scheduled for Friday night. Uh, we had a no-show, so that's why if you woke up and were looking forward to some content Saturday morning, um, I got left at the altar, if you will, but it's, it's all good. Uh, we drive on, so I, but I just wanted to make you aware of that. This week, we do have the big interview with Bart Sabrell. That will be, I think, Wednesday, so that should be 
uh, whatever podcast distributor you listen to us on, uh, that you should have that Thursday morning. It'll be a very good one. And then the February 27th and 28th, we have two more interviews as well. Uh, I'm going to try to continue to put one of these out a week, and then obviously we'll, we'll have about one or two interviews a week as well. So let's go ahead and jump in to our listener emails. And our first one comes from Mark. Mark, you thank, thank you uh, for the email. Really been appreciating the Flat Earth Files podcast. It has some great signal. I've been diving down the Flat Earth rabbit hole for about a month. But prior to this, have been heavily researching money for a couple years now from the Bitcoin angle. And he self-identifies as a Bitcoiner now. My initial awakening uh, to the fact that the government lies to us was about 10 years ago uh, through the food and health and all the corruption that goes into what they tell us to eat and put into our bodies. And you can go down the Monsanto rabbit hole. Uh, one of the Supreme Court justices used to uh, represent Monsanto. Good old uh, Clarence Thomas used to represent them. And, of course, there's the whole Roundup debacle and on and on GMO. It is quite, uh, quite a rabbit hole. Uh, but I'll continue. When I was 26, I looked in the mirror and realized I was fat and couldn't figure out why. Around the same time in my mid-20s, I became a Christian. So all the evolution science they fling at us is also very apparent to me to be wrong. Couldn't agree more, sir. On that front, I'm finding it a bit shocking how much more the Bible makes sense if the earth is a flat plane. And that was definitely um, hook, line, and sinker for me as well. Many of the confusing things said about the earth fit the flat earth much better than the globe model. Anyways, out of all of it, nothing comes close to flat earth as far as the magnitude of the lie from the governments. And, you know, <laughs> you really see... Uh, I know government's plural, but when it comes to even our government, the government is more worried about the, the citizens of Ukraine. Not only are we pushing them our money and our, our ammunition, uh, apparently it was reported Thursday by the president himself that we will be funding their pensions. Yet we have people in East Palestine, Ohio, who aren't getting any love at all. But as far as uh, Mark is saying, again, um, nothing comes close to flat Earth as far as the magnitude of the lie uh, from the governments. Obviously, with NASA, uh, you know, the seventy million we give them every single day—it's it's just incredible. Again, and to the citizens who desperately need help are neglected. I'm starting to think that the Benjamin Franklin quote: three can keep a secret." If two of them are dead, is a giant psyop. And this is something that really resonated with me because it's true. And he goes on to say, maybe the opposite is true. Everyone will believe just about any lie as long as it's big and bold enough that they don't think it's possible to be lied about. And they shout it at you constantly. 
And of course, uh, in the 70s, uh, Richard Nixon infamously said that the American people don't believe anything until they see it on TV. And of course, that has evolved uh, into social media. And you're correct. They can get away with (laughs) whatever they say. Just look what's been going on for the last three years. You had a, a president the United States looked at the American people in November 2021 and said, if you don't get your jab, your jab, your, your, your you know, V-A-X-X, you know what, you're going to die. This is going to be a winner of death. And that is precise, uh, precisely how he worded it. Yet here we sit. Uh, our government is very, very evil, and we should uh, check them at every stop, every single stop. We shouldn't take anything uh, at wholesale. Just like if you have a child that tells a fib, you know, uh, you're not going to trust them. You're going to make them prove it, right? And that's with any, your, your child, your friend. Um, lying is a slippery slope. They've lied to us for many, 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 many years. They lied to us about our currency. They lied to us into Vietnam, Desert Storm, you know, on and on and on. We've checked all those boxes. So that is, Mark is so spot on, Right. I agree. The opposite is true. Everyone will believe just about any lie as long as it's as big and bold enough. They don't think it's possible to be lied about, and they shout it at you constantly, right? Just like (laughs) the news organizations. And Isn't it funny that every country was in, and I hate to use this, this phrase because of its Rockefeller origins, But indeed, every country, you know, let's say 195 out of the 206 or however many countries there are these days, we're in lockstep. March 11th, everybody shut down. Everybody wore masks. Everybody used the six feet rule. Didn't matter where you were in the world. Now, Mark does have a couple of questions. And again, with these questions, I'm going to supplement the answers with video clips in the show description. So make sure you check them out because some of these things are much easier explained uh, with video. So here we go with the questions. Number one, gravity. I'm still struggling with this uh, in one aspect. If buoyancy and density explain how things float and fall, doesn't there still need to be something that defines down? Why do heavy things go down? Do we just accept that God made down so that's how it works, or is there an explanation? The Flat Earth Society's explanation of the Flat Earth rising, which what they say is, is like this pancake that's floating upwards eight miles an hour constantly or something. Obviously, uh, most of us believe that the Flat Earth Society is controlled opposition. But he says, you know, their explanation of the Flat Earth rising um, at the rate of gravity, doesn't hold much weight, as I can tell. Agreed. But at the same time, without something like gravity, couldn't the whole work be upside down and heavy things go up? Still wrapping my head on this one. So I'll play two short clips. And um, again, we will have one of the clips which basically specifies um, why things go down um, for you to you know watch at your leisure. But I'll just play a couple real quick clips the first one is uh, Flat Earth Dave um, on Space Busters. And again, just going to play about a minute. The electrostatic force, which is scientifically provable, testable, repeatable, is 10 to the 36 power stronger than gravity. Do you guys know how big of a number 10 to the 36 power is? 
I, I don't think our human minds can comprehend a number that huge, right? Because a trillion is 15 zeros. Okay? Uh, 10 to the third six is 36 zeros. Every time you add a zero to that, a number, it, it, it just exponentially bigger. It's, it's absolutely insanity. But they say that it's stronger. So let's pretend that, they, that the gravity also is real because we know that the electrostatic force is real. And I drop something. How the hell can you say that it's gravity that's pulling it down? The equivalent, the analogy I came up with the other day, and I think I like it, is you're in a boxing ring with Mike Tyson at his prime. And the thing that's going to make you get knocked out is something hitting your head. Well, there's several things hitting your head. There's air molecules hitting your head, and there's Mike Tyson's fist. Okay? In the globalist world, it's the air molecule that knocked you out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous even when you just think like, all right, if this thing's holding a skyscraper down, you shouldn't even be able to jump off the ground even an inch. You know what I mean? Why can't? Why can you easily... I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. And then if you look at clouds, clouds are electrostatically floating in the air. You know, why do these cumulus clouds have these beautiful sharp edges to them, right? You know, they're, they're lying about everything that we see. And this is the last one, silent drone, MIT. They're just changing the electrostatic charge. There's no moving parts. There's no sound. And it's flying. Are we defying gravity, or are we just playing with the electrostatic forces of the Earth? Dark matter, dark matter—we don't know what dark matter is. It's eighty-five percent of the gravity of the universe is dark matter. It's something we don't know what it is, so we just call it dark matter. We don't know what the universe has. Some pressure in the vacuum that's making it accelerate in its expansion against the wishes of gravity. We don't know what that is either. We call that dark energy. This sounds like we know something. We don't. I could call this Fred and Wilma, okay? It doesn't matter. We are dumb, stupid about what these two things are, all right? Now, normally that's not a problem, but until you look at this chart, okay? So everything we know about the universe, what we're made of, galaxies, stars, planets, that's all right here. So according to this chart, we are 96% stupid in the universe. There you go. And uh, that second one I just kind of threw in there. There's so many clips of Neil deGrasse Tyson just mumbling, saying, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. But then he is very quick uh, to debunk flat earthers. And one of my favorite comments is uh, a wise man once said that when we encounter the fountain of truth, some people will drink it deeply while others just wash their hands in it. And... um and listen, I understand. I was that guy, too, who refused to listen to it. That's why we can't use words like sheeple and, and, and this type of thing, because we were all on the, most of us, you know, I'm willing to bet 98% of us were on the other side of the fence and bought into the heliocentrical nonsense uh, for many years, many, many years. And then most of us go into the bunket and realize we can't. Um, the common notion being that we just, we can see too far, you know, and listen, debunking heliocentrism doesn't always mean that it validates our theory. But to me, just, you know, our theory makes more sense. Um, and then uh, Mark goes on to say, I'm still confused by the solar and lunar eclipses. Do you have any go-to videos on those? And I do. 
and they are on the app, which I will insert in the show description uh, for you to enjoy at your leisure. And uh, all the times I've promo Dave, I'm going to send him an email tomorrow. Uh, but what I need to do is I, I want to have, um, I want to be able to broadcast video and audio. So in the next few weeks, I'm probably going to get a website and uh, we'll set up a date where we'll get Dave on live so we can have him on video and we can put it out in the form of audio as well. And uh, I'll try to do it so where we can bring listeners in and ask questions. Um, so just stay tuned. I'll try to work on that in the coming days and you know week. And we'll try to get something out maybe in late March. That'll give time everybody to catch up with the podcast and, you know, um, get in, in with the date so we can have a nice little group together to watch us live. And uh, you can ask your questions live. Um, Dave is very accommodating, and uh, I'll be sure uh, we'll get him on. I know April he has his movie releasing, uh, so he'll probably be busy in April, but we'll see if we can get him for some time in March. And Mark, thank you again. He says, appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. Thank you for the email, sir. And make sure uh, you check the show description for those videos. Um, next email, and I hope I'm saying your name right. It's Egel. Uh, and if I say it wrong, I, I'm, uh, I apologize. I live in Norway and I've been listening to your new podcast all the way through soon. I've been a flat earther for about a year. I've always had some sort of suspicion. Uh, started early in the 90s with the JFK assassination. Uh, felt there was a lot wrong with 9-11, and still I always went back into the blue pill mode because, as we know, uh, we are so brainwashed from the moment we are born. Since the pandemic made me truly wake up, I have always been interested in history and started listening to podcasts during the pandemic. Then I came over what I was interested in, again, the JFK assassination. Started listening to podcasts on that, and to my astonishment, I realized there was a lot of research out there that no official media platform ever talked about. Obviously, the, the, the three-letter broadcasters, your Fox, your, your NBC, ABC News, all those, they... They're all in lockstep together, so they are only going to ever report and talk about the official narrative. Now, he says he was especially taken by his fellow Scandinavian, Oli Damagard. I continued into 9-11, false flags, the Rockefellers, the Jesuits, etc., etc., and finally ended up, like many of us, <laughs> at the Flat Earth Theory. I had heard about the Flat Earth people I am proud that I did not debunk them even early on, uh, but I did not get into it, of course, since I obviously did not believe in it, but thought it was cool that someone did do that. Anyways, while I was getting into the rabbit hole, we were also in a pandemic, and that seems strange to me in so many ways. I could not understand why not more people talked about the strangeness of it. I was frustrated. And that goes back to the last email, right? They make a, a lie so big. Who's going to question it? Uh, then came the Delta variant, and I really reacted. I remember the news saying one day that the first three persons in England being infected by the Delta variant the very next day, 
They came out with it because it was a 70% higher risk of being infected by this variant, but that it was not as dangerous. How can they come up with 70% in one day from three subjects? That has nothing to do with the science. It really shook me, and I woke up for real. So took the blue or the red pill, and there's once you take that red pill, there's no going back. You never look at the world the same. You never listen to music the same. You know, when you're watching movies, you're looking in the background for numbers and symbols, and it, it is really a, a, an entirely different world. And it really resonates back to the movie they live with Roddy Piper and. You know, putting on the glasses and seeing things for how they really are. And if you've never seen They Live, you know, maybe once we get that uh, website going, maybe we'll have to do a watch along. That one in Contagion, boy, there is some, there is some brainwashing in that one. Uh, sorry, let's get back to your email. I find that the flatter thing does not make me so depressed to dig into many of these things uh, that do. And I agree with that. You know, 9-11 to me was a big punch in the stomach because of the way it affected my life. I lost friends in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, I between 2003 and 2014, I was deployed every calendar year uh, with the exception of 2012. So, you know, it had a big effect on me. And then when you find out the lies and it, it's, it's very frustrating, but it, now, I will say, when I finally took the time to look into Flat Earth and I tried to debunk it because there are some quote-unquote conspiracy theories out there you can debunk. You're like, okay, this is a bit of a stretch. And I figured that was going to be the case. And this is George speaking, by the way, not the email. Um, I thought it was going to be the same, the same with Flat Earth. But the, the deeper I dug... And when I realized we could see too far, and you know, even as a you know a ten year old, my teacher putting the water in, in the bucket and spinning it and calling it gravity didn't make any sense, because if gravity really worked the way they said, he should have been able to turn the bucket facing out, spin it, and it would stick. Right? Um, none of it made sense. But I will say, when I realized. I couldn't debunk it and that we were on a relatively, you know, obviously it's not flat, flat, but on a relatively flat earth that is encompassed by the ice walls. You know, when I accepted basically what we all know is the flat earth theory, I will say there was a span of about two weeks. I honestly, I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything, but I didn't really sleep for two weeks because Again, going back to, to Mark's email, man, do you understand how big of a lie? How much time did we all spend in school learning about outer space and the solar, you know, these type of things? You know, you go back and you count how many hours that you spent in, in the public indoctrination system. And then you start to think, well, how much of that was just completely was Rockefeller lies? Right, and for about two weeks, I, I I did feel like my earth my my world was turned upside down. But after that, there there is a sense of relief 
there is um you feel i feel i felt closer to god in a way i hadn't felt before and then you learn to take the bible literally and uh it does once you get over the fact that my goodness they they did such a good job lying that you wouldn't even take the time to look at it. How could anybody be so silly? How could anybody be so silly to think that the earth was flat? My goodness, they are the masters of psychology, right? You know, those German scientists we brought over during Operation Paperclip, much of them knew the, how to brainwash. Then you had Bernays. These people... Now, you talk about nuclear weapons. Their greatest weapon is the mass media. And that's whether it be TV, social media. If it comes from the official narrative, they can say whatever they want. And 90% of the time, the people are going to buy into it. You don't believe me? You remember <laughs> You remember being in the grocery store, uh, say, March 25th, 2020, and you'd sneeze, and everybody would take off like a hand grenade just blew up. That is how deep the lie goes. So, and I still, when I, I uh, put the um, Dustin Nemos and the Founded Earth Brothers on my other podcast, you know, you get the you get the emails. People aren't happy, you know. And again, this is one of the reasons why I, I did a separate podcast. Because it is still such a stigma within the truth community. But once, you know, I, I still say to myself, and again, this is, I don't, everybody has to wake up at their own pace, their own time. Um, but if you think they lie about everything, except that we're on a ball spinning, chasing the sun at 66,000 miles an hour, at endless space, endless. So for 6,000 years, and that's if you believe the biblical version. We've been hurling through space, and we've never bumped one thing. Doesn't make any sense that we've been for that long, for that speed. How many miles have we traveled? There, there's, <laughs> if you want to get your name broadcast on this podcast, take how far, you know, how far Earth is moving times 6,000 years, and somebody email me the answer. And let's see how many miles the earth has traversed since the beginning of man. So God made the ball, then he spun it, and then he put Adam and Eve on it, or then he put Adam and Eve and spun it. You know, I'm getting off base here, but you understand what I'm saying. But that would be interesting to see how fast the earth is going, right? We know it spins at about 1,000 miles an hour, and I think it's hurtling through space at, what, 66,000 miles per hour? 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, you know, 52 weeks in a year times 6,000. How many miles have we traversed with everything being in perpetual balance in motion? It's interesting to think about. Let's get back to the email. He goes on to say, I've never believed in God, not until now, at least. Always called myself an agnostic, not an atheist. Glad for now, since I can truly say I have always kept the door open to God in that sense. But I truly never believed I would call myself a Christian believer, but now I do. And I have a lot to learn. 
I already know most of the research on Flat Earth that you go through your podcast, but I am still thrilled to find it all collected under one podcast now. It's a great podcast, and I've also listened to your early 2022 on The Fact Hunter, uh, mostly The Damagard and The Gary Wayne, the, uh, the classic audio. Uh, once a week, I drop some classic audio on the podcast. And that's something I should try to track down, see if there's some you know, truthers from the between, say, the 60s and 80s that were talking about Flat Earth, but that's been hard to come by. Goes on to say, I spent years in the USA back in those days, educated as a pilot and CFI there, but I am not flying now. This is a big one, and we've mentioned it before. The airline patterns on the southern hemisphere is really an eye, eye uh, excuse me, is really an eye opener. It truly makes no sense, and that is even brought to attention more uh, with that book, the sixteen uh, emergency landings that prove flat earth. Um, It is not profitable for any airline to take a longer route, no matter how much they claim it's for safety in case of an emergency over water, right? Money is always number one with them. Your episode where you mentioned the first mission to the moon, the moon hoax, which he is sure about now, and how the astronauts were almost at a funeral at the press conference after returning is the biggest proof for me that they were not there. I've seen the clip, and if I was on the moon, I would be thrilled. Not so darn depressed as they were. And again, I would be on, I'd be doing Gatorade. I would have a shoe contract, right? You want to be like George, right? My Air Georges, <laughs> right? Uh, I would have um, a, a you know energy drink name after me. Oh man, I would be doing autograph signings every weekend. People would be lined up. I could charge fifty bucks an autograph with a picture. Are you kidding me? But no. Which and to be fair, and this is something. I I wrestle with a lot, and I would love to hear your personal thoughts because obviously we'll never know. Do you think, and this goes out to every listener out there, and you can email me. You don't have to put your name. You can make up your own handle, whatever. Just send me a a couple-sentence email. Just put the country or state you're in just so I know where you're, you know, what part of the world. I'd like to hear where people are from, but... Do you think that those three gentlemen knew, and we're talking about Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, you know, the three guys who landed on the moon July 20th, 1969. Did they know prior to the day they took off that it was a hoax? Or were they in it from the get-go? Because obviously Gus Grissom and his crew weren't in on it, right? Because, you know, you see that movie uh, Capricorn 1 <laughs> with the only, the one and only O.J. Simpson. You know, these, uh, that was 1978, actually. And, you know, these three astronauts, um, they get into their rocket and, you know, they're T-minus a couple minutes and whatever. And a guy opens up the hatch on the backside where nobody can see. He's like, gentlemen, come with me. Gentlemen, come with me. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're out to-? No, come with me. 
and you know they they fly and they're told about the whole lie. So they thought uh, in the movie at least up until the time just a couple minutes they when they were about to take off and go to Mars, they genuinely believed that they were going to Mars. So my question to you the listeners and you can opine as much as you want or just send me a couple you know a couple sentence answer. Do you think that the astronauts knew that this whole thing was a hoax, or do you think it was like a last-minute type of deal? Like they were trained, they believed, and at the last minute they were told, oh, so by the way, we already, Stanley Kubrick already produced the movie. Um, we just need you to do a little voiceover, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we'll send you up in the rocket maybe, and you can fake the picture because there is footage of them um, you know, in the rocket, and they're they're using some paper to cover the window to make it look like they're much higher than they were. They weren't very high at all. So again, do you think they were in on it from the get-go or was it one of those, yeah, you're not going to the moon and if you tell anybody, we're going to kill your family because these people are psychopaths and they will do that. Just ask the guy who tried to investigate the death of Gus Grissom, okay? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Goes on to say, now before I stray too much away, I'm afraid, uh, I'm sorry, before I stray too much, um, to question and request for your Flat Earth files. I said I was from Norway, and as you probably know, there was a Norwegian in the early 1900s that was the first to reach the South Pole. His name was Roald uh, Amundsen. Norwegians are very proud of their history, and Roald Amundsen has been an icon in most Norwegian minds all of their lives. I now have a lot of questions on what flat earthers have to say about that story. Was it all a lie? Did he realize there was no South Pole? Was he even on the continent or ice wall? Um, which is interesting because when you look at the heights down there, I mean, he'd obviously have to get to the right place. But anyway, let me just continue on with the email. Uh, I hope that you can shed some light into this podcast. In 1911, there was a race to the pole between Amundsen and Scott, who was the infamous Briton. Now, the Scott expedition ended in tragedy, while Amundsen returned triumphantly. A few years later, there was another British expedition by Ernest Shackleton, uh, they got stuck on the ice and had to find a route uh, on the ice westbound to Elephant Island and then over to South America. They traveled far, but does it add up to a flatter theory on distances they would have had travel on the ice if we know it's a longer route on a flat earth than on an island at the bottom of the earth? Remember this happened way before the Antarctic Treaty and before any nation uh, knew anything about Antarctica at all. I hope you can shed some light on this Antarctica stories and history. Did Amundsen just continue the distance they believed were the distance left from the ice wall to the so-called 90 degrees south and then turned around, or they did they realize where they were at all? Could he have discovered the firmament? How can Shackleton's ship get stuck on the ice if there is an ice wall? I don't think we'll ever be sure if the world is flat or not, but I must admit I truly believe it is. It makes sense when we now know all the lies that we've been subjected to, and it makes sense when you realize why they lie. 
They try to hide God for us, and in many cases, they succeed until they go too far. And that's why I've said many times, I do believe they overplayed their hand with the COVID narrative. And um, they were responsible for a great awakening. I try. I, I really believe that. Um, he goes on to say that they led me to God eventually. Still, I won't thank them because I was deprived of that because of them for so long, but they failed in my case. They failed because they went too far, and because of their evil, I saw the light. They failed in my case, and they can fail again and again and again. And now, more people must wake up. I hope I will get a response back from you, and thank you for your podcast of truth. I will continue to listen, keep up the good work, and thank you. Shout out to our listeners in Norway. Thank you very much for that email. And, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Roald Amundsen and his story. And again, this is from over 100 years ago, and it's not like there were any journalists with him. We'll never really know the truth. Um, But we'll talk about the story that was written just five years ago, and uh, it was written by Kalina Fraga. And it is, in 1911, Raoul Amundsen and his Norwegian expedition gathered among the snow and ice at the southernmost tip of the world. Everyone put their hands on the Norwegian flag and triumphantly stuck it into the frozen ground, thus securing Amundsen's legacy as the first man to reach the South Pole. But it's hardly the one thing that this intrepid explorer accomplished. Uh, Fascinated by polar exploration from a young age, Amundsen spent most of his life going to some of the world's coldest places. The explorer sailed through the icy waters of the Northwest Passage and the Northeast Passage and charted the world's first transarctic flight over the North Pole. And again, on the flat earth map, that is possible. But in the end, uh, the, the Arctic, the North Pole. But in the end, Amundsen died and explores death. While searching for a lost airship, he vanished somewhere over the Arctic Ocean, disappearing into the icy waters that he dedicated his life to understanding. And without a doubt, I mean, you know, the two most dangerous continents, well, <laughs> I guess on the flat earth map, you can't really call Antarctica a continent because we consider it an ice wall. But Again, there's some questions we're never going to know. I'm just reading the story to familiarize uh, the story of this gentleman. Can we ever prove it? Of course not. But I thought I would share it. Born July 16, 1872 in Borge, Norway, uh, Roald Engelbreth Gravning Amundsen knew he wanted to explore the world from a young age. Royal Museum's Greenwich reports that he habitually slept with his windows open even during the frigid Norwegian winters, in order to prepare himself for polar exploration. And while studying medicine to appease his mother, Amundsen dropped out of university to spend time with the Arctic whaling skippers. Powerfully built, stood over six feet tall, Amundsen came from a long line of seafaring folk. He was proud to be called one of the last Vikings, according to PBS, and soon set out to prove that their adventurous blood flowed through his veins. After sailing with the Belgian ship Belgica in 1899, the first expedition to winter in Antarctic, he set out on his own. 
1903, a 31-year-old Roald Amundsen embarked on an expedition to the ice-choked waters north of Canada. He and his crew successfully steered a 70-foot fishing boat through a perilous route, and Amundsen emerged three years later as the first explorer to navigate the Northwest Passage. Before long, his adventurous eye fell on a new conquest, the South Pole. Fast forward to August 1910, Roald Amundsen set out on what he said was an expedition to the North Pole with his fishing ship Fram. Now, he kept his true destination, which was the South Pole, secret even from the Norwegian government and his crew. According to PBS, Amundsen knew that an Englishman named Robert Scott had also set out for the South Pole and he worried that the Norwegian government would hesitate to directly challenge the English. So he kind of lied to the government and then headed south. Uh, Amundsen didn't even tell his crew their true destination until the Fram had passed through the Madeira Islands off the coast of Africa. Quote, Here I informed my crew that I, as the North Pole had been discovered by Robert Peary and Frederick Cook, decided to go for the South Pole. Amundsen recalled in his 1927 book, Roald Amundsen, My Life as an Explorer, all agreed enthusiastically. Amundsen explained to his men that he'd been... And that is something, right? I mean, you got guys on your ship, and you're in the Norwegian waters. And you're like, hey, who wants to go on a cruise with me to the Arctic Circle, not too far away from where we're at now? All right, let's do it. Then you get on the water. By the way, we're going to the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, were any of these guys married? You know, honey, I'll be back in six weeks. And, you know, it turned out to be much, much later than that. So some of these, obviously, these stories are over 100 years old. And I'm willing to bet that one of the guys didn't agree enthusiastically. But, hey, who knows? Maybe they were all genuine single guys who just loved being on the waters. Who am I? to question history. Uh, Amundsen explained to his men that he'd meticulously prepared for the southern journey and had even brought along cold-weather dogs to help them. Now, the British, Amundsen had noted, didn't have dogs and didn't even know how to ski. That means that we will get there first, champion skier Olav Vjalin shouted, according to the American Museum of Natural History. And it's funny how PBS and the American Museum have all this information. Uh, the race for the South Pole was on between Roeld and Robert Scott, but only one of the two uh, only one of the two men would survive to tell the tale. After sailing sixteen thousand miles, the Fram reached the Bay of Wales in Antarctica, January of nineteen eleven. Uh, Munson's men spent months making preparations with the English camp close enough that the two crews sometimes even shared meals. And they finally set out for the South Pole on October 18th. So, I mean, <laughs> that's you're telling me that they sat there for 10 months preparing. They, they've reached the Bay of Wales in Antarctica January 1911, and they set out for the South Pole um, in October. That's interesting. Aided by their dogs with a healthy head start, 
Amundsen and his expedition made good time as they crossed the ice. Uh, as they neared their destination, however, some crew members worried that they'd arrive at the South Pole only to find the English flag fluttering in the wind. And after sailing 16,000 miles and spending 10 months preparing, coming in second place surely would be unacceptable to these gentlemen, per the story. Shall we see the English flag? God have mercy on us, I don't believe it. One nervously wrote as they grew close to the South Pole. In fact, Scott and his team were weeks behind a Munson. On December 14, 1911, the Norwegians arrived at the southernmost point of the earth and found only ice and no sign of the Union Jack. They triumphantly placed their Norwegian flag into the ground, according to the Royal Museums of Greenwich, popped open a bottle of champagne, Uh, You see, some of these... uh, Okay, let's just read the story, George. That expedition cook Adolf Lindstrom had been sleeping with so it didn't get too cold in the Arctic. Okay. Um, I thought this number was interesting. But their victory was tinged with uh, tragedy. Excuse me. By the time Scott arrived 33 days later... Oh, there's number 33. On January 17th, 1912, a Munson... And the Norwegian team had already come and gone. Uh, And the Englishmen were not only disappointed, but also doomed. Uh, They perished on their return journey on March 29, 1912. Uh, Nobody could hold a higher admiration than myself for the gallant courage of our brave English competitors, for nobody else so well as we can understand the fearful dangers of the trip. Um, so long story short, again, he went to the North Pole to attempt to make history, and uh, the story goes he hoped to become the first person to fly over the North Pole, and in 1925, he made his first attempt but missed his destination by 150 miles. Then, of course, the next year he succeeded, uh, but he was beaten by the one and only Richard E. Byrd. It wasn't until 1966 that it came out that Bird had actually turned back before reaching the North Pole. And, of course, you know, who knows? Um, but, again, how far did he go? You know, is this, nobody knows. We don't know how far um, where the firmament comes down. We don't know how far, how much land. Um, we just don't know. Until we can journey down there and look for ourselves, this is something will be just a discussion, right? There is a ceremonious South Pole. Uh, you can pay. I've you know I've heard you can pay twenty five thirty thousand dollars. You can get chartered trips, and they'll take you down there to the ceremonious South Pole and get your picture taken and get to see the penguins and everything. Um. There are some people who say that if you agree to their rules, you can go. I don't know. <laughs> Again, this is something that we just have to ponder and um, think for ourselves. There's a very small picture with the Norwegian flag uh, atop their tent on December 16th, 1911. But all you see is ice. Uh, you know, we can't say for sure where. Uh, all you see is white and ice. Nobody knows. Um, but that's the story of Royal Amundsen, who was an explorer. Um, 
some of the story is a, a, a bit much to bite off. How much is true? How much is false? Um, we'll probably never know. But we know uh, he did make it down there. It sure does look like that's uh, nothing but ice. Very, very cold. Very, very white. Um, but to say he went X many miles in, uh, we'll just never know. But uh, that's it took a year. He got there January 1911, and um, they reached what they said was their destination December 16th, 1911. That is a long time surviving down in those conditions. My goodness gracious. So there you go. That is the story. And uh, shout out to our listeners in Norway. Thank you for that email. Um, I thought I would share the story. It you know to the listeners, you know you take it for what it's worth. Um, you know you've heard the stories of uh, Captain Cook, etc., who have said to have circumnavigated Antarctica, and it took them three, three and a half years, and they should have only traveled about twelve to fifteen thousand miles, and they traveled between fifty and sixty thousand miles. So. Again, it's one of those he said, she said, or it could have been maybe they were, who knows, maybe the firmament's way, way back, and they just went X amount of miles and they hadn't hit the firmament yet. We'll never know. We'll just never know. But it's an interesting story and a great email. Now, there are a couple things I wanted to share with you all today before we uh, put a wrap to this. I can't believe it's 48 minutes and I've only answered two emails. Um but I want to read two things. Number one, there's a, a website out there called Why Evolution is True, and um, it's operated by a guy named Jerry Coyne, and he's the author of the book Faith Versus Fact, Why Science and Religion Are Incompatible, and he's pro-evolution guy, and he mocks flat earthers. But I, I want to read this email. Somebody actually sat down a few years ago and uh, wrote Jerry Coyne, and it's C-O-Y-N-E, this email. And, of course, the other big book that this guy wrote is Why Evolution is True. And his book even has dinosaurs and T-Rexes on the cover. But I wanted to to, uh, read, because this guy mocks this individual who sends the letter, but I wanted to read the letter. Uh, His name is John P., and he wrote a letter into... Uh, the Why Evolution is True website and Jerry Coyne. Now, of course, he mocks him, but John P. says the following. Mr. Coyne, our education is flawed. I've discovered evidence that the theory of evolution is a blatant lie. And the Big Bang and outer space and the spinning globe theory is a blatant lie as well. Firstly, here is flat earth evidence I've discovered. The Earth is supposed to be uh, 60, uh, the curve, excuse me, the curve is supposed to be 66 feet over 10 miles, but is apparent nowhere, and we can see beyond that distance. Corsica can be seen from 137 miles away. So again, that's, anytime I get emails, I just say, hey, we can see too far. If you have the money, invest in a P900 camera. I think they stopped making them. I think the P1000 is now, but you can get them on eBay. They're a little pricey, but you can get them. Uh, the Suez Canal is 100 miles long and has no locks. The Sahara Desert, the Tibetan Plateau, and the West Siberian Plains are flat. The equator 
could not be the warmest part of the Earth on a tilted globe. And that's something we haven't even mentioned yet, and that's true. All stars revolve around Polaris, the North Pole, the North Star. If we were on a ball circling the sun, we should see new stars every day for a year as a lighthouse illuminates the sky surrounding it. The cycle should repeat it every year. At any one time, the majority of space should be invisible due to the sun's light. Instead, we see the same stars from somewhere on Earth throughout the year. We can see Mercury and Venus at night, which are between the Earth and the sun. This is impossible with the heliocentric model. In reality, we have a celestial dome covering the Earth through which the sun circulates. Tides are not uniform and do not affect lakes. Tides in the seasons are central to feeding and reproduction. Pilots, engineers, they don't account for the curve. Pilot training manuals are based on a flat earth, and I've told you before, it's in the Army technical manuals for the UH-60s. At least it was 20, uh, geez, 20 some years ago. Gyroscopes, they show that the earth is still. The cycle of the moon bears no correlation to that of the sun. It's logical that surface water cannot curve, as we are told, is the case over vast oceans. We know water reacts physically to movement, yet we see no evidence of the movement in the water that surrounds us. Ships that disappear over the horizon come back into the view with telescopes. There is no 24-hour sunlight in the South Pole. Antarctica is 30 degrees colder than the Arctic. It is the coldest place on Earth with a low of negative 90 degrees. 70% of the Earth's fresh water is in Antarctica. The abyssal plains at the floors of the oceans are flat and have no sediment. 1946, just coincidentally, after World War II, and we'd stolen all the German technology, and the Germans had gone to the quote-unquote South Pole, Admiral Byrd went with 4,700 troops in Operation High Jump. Planes smashed into invisible barriers, <coughs> firmament, and it got closed off to the public. In 1875, the HMS Challenger circumnavigated the Antarctic. It took 69,000 miles. The circumference of God's Earth is 52,800 miles. They would have gone around five times the fake Antarctica. Many sailors died because they were assuming the globe model. And in fact, the longitudes are longer in the southern hemisphere. So thinking they had traveled round land, they ended up hitting it. The Arctic Circle is 66.6 degrees north. The Antarctic Circle is 66.6 degrees south. It has a circular coastline. There's a Deception Island, Elephant Island, and Enderby Island. The Weddell Sea, the Ellsworth Mountains. It was explored in 1911, and Amundsen reached the center, in quotes, 
1911. How did they even know in 1911 where the center was? It has places called the Titan Dome, the Law Dome, Dome Charlie, and Dome Argus. The U.S. Thule base is in Greenland and is used to detect interballistic missiles. I thought that's what satellites did. And by the way, Greenland, again, Devon Island there, is where NASA and JPL film a lot of their quote-unquote moon landing stuff. There is plenty of evidence on YouTube showing the moon landings were fake. Um, and just tune in in a couple days and we have Bart Sabrell on there. Um, if you haven't heard my interview last fall on the Fact Hunter. Uh, the shadows are inconsistent. How do you take photos with an antiquated camera and a spacesuit on? <laughs> right? Why was there no dust on the spaceship? How do, uh, excuse me, how does a rocket work in a vacuum? How can you affect direction in a vacuum? Scientists say the Van Allen belt above the Earth is impenetrable. Some of them say it's so high in radiation, if you pass through it, you'll be full of cancer. Uh, see Edward Hendry, Rob Skiba, Brandon Edge, and Casper Steeth for more flat Earth evidence. Our bodies and that of animals and creatures are designed to detect movement, yet we are told that we, can, we cannot detect the Earth moving at 66,600 miles per hour. These are lies. There are people that say, well, you're on a plane, you don't feel it moving. Mm, I do. I've been on cruises. I can feel it's moving. Now, you're moving at the same speed with it. Sometimes you don't really notice it, but you can tell you're moving. As to who would and who could create the lie, one obvious answer is Satan. Reason? To conceal God. We are therefore talking about the spirit realm and we do not know how profoundly the spirit realm can impact our world. The indignation and ferocity with which many attack this concept shows they are afraid of this evidence becoming mainstream. My research shows this is central to the battle between God and Satan, which is a spiritual battle. It sounds ludicrous, and personally it has a spiritual significance but it should concern everyone because it exposes the reality that our establishment can and does control the evidence which is promulgated. Promulgated, excuse me. Science and education promulgate only the evidence that fits an agenda. Flat Earth is by no means the only realm of suppression of evidence, and we can talk about. Uh, every decade, many events that have evidence suppressed, right? So there you go. And, of course, um, Mr. Coyne, he uh, ends uh, the guy's letter with the meme, um, if the earth was flat, cats would have pushed everything off it by now. And it shows a cat pushing a bottle of wine off the edge of the earth, of course, uh, with water coming off and no Antarctic wall around it. Just, again, someone who doesn't want to take the time to look at the facts. So again, uh, shout off to this gentleman, John, who uh, challenged Mr. Coyne. And of course, he and his group of uh, commenters 
Uh, all 198 of them made light of it. But uh, shout out to John for standing up, uh, you know, against the man and uh, against a guy who is, you know, pro-science, anti-God. He believes that uh, science and religion are incompatible and why evolution is true. And I'll put this link in there for you guys to uh, look at it, and you can check out all 198 of the replies. And, um, you know, you can see how they look at us. Uh, Last thing I want to read, and this was written uh, by James Forsey back in September of 1998. And it's not that long. It's it's maybe a 15-minute read. And he talks about geocentrism versus heliocentrism. Which is it? What difference does it make? And it's entitled The Heliocentric Hoax, again, written 25 years ago. And he starts by saying, truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Uh, So we're going to skip the couple paragraphs because we've talked about Copernicus and the Babylonian myths. We're going to jump down to modern science texts to this day dominated by secular humanists state that Galileo Galileo proved the Copernican sun-centered theory. The fact is he proved nothing. Humboldt, who sought to formulate the known facts about the universe into a uniform conception of nature in his cosmos, said quite candidly, quote, I have already known for a long time that we have no proof of the system of Copernicus, but I do not dare to be the first one to attack it, right? So he knew that the system uh, was flawed, but he wasn't going to be the one to put his name on the line. Uh, Bernard Cohen, in Birth of a New Physics in 1960, concurs, quote, there is no planetary observation by which on Earth we can prove the Earth is moving in an orbit around the sun. Before previewing, and summarizing some of the well-known scientific experiments and their conclusions regarding heliocentrism versus geocentrism, one must be aware of the Catholic Church's position concerning science. And they've become more pro-science of late. One, too, must understand the philosophical and psychological implications inherent in the dethronement of man from the center of the universe. And one must not be so naive as to think that such subtleties are not systematically employed by Satan and his agents in the ultimate plan to destroy the Catholic Church. The the Church teaches that there is no contradiction between science and religion, and that faith is higher than science, and in fact that theology is the queen of sciences. Nevertheless, because of the... uh, machinations of the evil ones, this cancerous hearsay, heliocentrism, succeeded in deplacing man from the scripture of the universe where Jesus Christ came to redeem man. But more importantly, it appeared to have discredited scripture. 20th century man may think that it is no importance whatever whether the sun or the earth was proved to be the center of the universe. But it was then, and it is now. History has verified this. To understand it, one must seek to study history on its own terms in the context of that area. 
before the Galileo heresy, the Christian, as opposed to the progressive modern man, was not only geocentric, but theocentric, which means God-centered. Before the quote-unquote earth movers arrived on the scene, Western civilization had an orderly worldview. Everything had its place. First of all, man believed in God, the creator of the heaven and earth, and the Holy Mother in the church. He also believed that God sent his only son to the center of the universe. Not the sun, earth, the motionless earth, in order to redeem man. And contrary to this worldly 20th century counterpart, man yearned for heaven where God reigned. This only means of enjoying the the beatific version through Christ's church. Then the whole new worldview came about, and along with that came doubt. And doubt is the enemy of faith. As the famous English poet John Donne so aptly bemoaned, quote, and the new philosophy calls all in doubt, man now displaced from the center of the universe, not only sustained a loss of dignity, but purpose and direction. But he was also most tragically and psychologically divorced from God, the all-unifying creator. And this is precisely why this controversy is so crucial. It's It's so important to understand when somebody says, why do we even care if the earth is flat or round? Because they want you to believe that the center of the universe is the sun, and it's not. So, again, since as previously stated, theology is true science, um, then only through theological sources can one be absolutely sure of answers. Also, scientifically speaking, how can anyone go outside the universe to observe what is actually happening? Since this is impossible, God has provided us with the unerring source of truth, and that is the Bible. There are a number of passages to support that the earth is centered, the geocentric model, okay? You can refer to Genesis, Psalms, and I believe Job. Um, And I'll give you some Psalms 18, 5, and 6, Psalms 92, 1, uh, Psalms 95, 10, uh, Ecclesiastics 1 through 4, 6, um, on and on and on. Of course, um, uh, Psalms 19, 1 is on Wonder Von Braun's headstone, and that refers to God's handiwork, uh, the firmament, right? Uh, believe the truth revealed in perpetuity, right? When you read Psalms 103, which anticipates the likes of Copernicus, Galileo, and Einstein, and all the other shysters, right? That the earth shall not be moved forever and ever. And there's been many writers, scientists, and these pseudo-theologians that have spilled much ink trying to accommodate the unverifiable. Modern science, uh, heliocentrism, and evolution in particular with the Bible. Now, despite their mental gymnastics, their forced allegorical interpretations, their flaws in logic, and so on, 
Not one has presented a viable argument. Belief in their reasoning not only requires blind faith, but leads one to conclude that God is a poor grammar at best or liar at worst, right? That's what they want you to believe. Take man's word for it, right? We know. You better take this magical elixir because God didn't make you perfect. If you don't take this vaccine, you're going to die. You're going to see a long winter of death. How did that work out? Science's sun-centered theory, on the other hand, did not fare as well. Ironically, scientific experiments, especially the ones in the late 19th century that we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, the observations, the data, the proofs to purportedly have verified heliocentrism and thus discredit the church, right, and scripture, right? No, that's wrong. This is really what's going on here. We're really hurtling through space at 66 miles an hour, 66,000 miles per hour, and we're on a tilt. A twenty, you know, twenty-three point four degrees. One wishing to explore man's efforts to prove God wrong should investigate the following: the supposed revolution of the Earth around the Sun can be studied by Bradley. Right, the parallax of the stars, the annual loop of Pluto, the intensification of meteors after midnight, annual Doppler shifts, so on, so on, and so on. The, su- the supposed rotation, the spinning, right? It can be studied by reviewing the Earth's oblateness, the, the wind patterns and the force of projectiles and spacecraft, the force of air-falling bodies and the direct observation from the moon. Is the Earth actually moving, or are the heavenly bodies doing the moving? Or to use, uh, to use the nebulous phrase of science, is there some unexplained phenomenon to consider? Study them all. Perhaps the most notable experiments are Aries' failure and the Michelson-Morsley experiment, which we've talked about ad nauseum as well. Satan, allied with the modern conspirators, needed a new strategy to snuff out the church and the worldview right, in order that their diabolical agenda to take place. Again, in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, experiments actually ran contrary to modern scientists, and the conspirators needed somehow to keep the earth moving, both literally and figuratively, right? Uh, Enter Albert Einstein. Besides tirelessly and diligently working for the communist cause, and aiding the Soviets by supplying them with our atomic secrets, he had a most unique position in the Novus Ordo Seclorum. And if that sounds familiar, that is the New World Order. And that is their end goal, right? That's what Nimrod wanted. He wanted to babble, and he wanted the New World Order. And that's, you know, Klaus Schwab will tell you today, George H.W. Bush, he told you, it's time for a New World Order. An apparent objective of his intellectual efforts was to destroy, as completely as possible, all confidence that our human race might have in our accumulated knowledge from prior generations about the physical nature of our universe. Indeed, how could the average layman refute Einstein's abstractions? We're just, I'm just George Hobbes who lives in Delaware. I can't compare to Einstein. I'm just a dumb dumb. 
Well, again, it is beyond the scope of this study to do so, but this champion of the cause was always suspiciously elusive when asked about the inconsistencies of his famous theories. Quote, it is well known that Einstein, at different times and occasions, for understandably different reasons, <laughs> gave different answers to questions about the occurrences that had prompted him to his views on motion, rest, and time. And again, like Galileo, like Newton, many others who support godless science, Einstein proved nothing. Even the uh, atheistic philosopher Bertrand Russell correctly asserted that whether the earth rotates once a day from west to east, as Copernicus taught, or the heavens revolve once a day from east to west, as his predecessors believed, the observable phenomenon will be exactly the same. That shows a defect in Newton's dynamics, since an empirical science ought not to contain a metaphysical assumption which can never be proved or disproved by observation. But again, the very name Einstein, the savior of heliocentrism, is sacred and synonymous with genius, even to this day, right? Isn't they have the... Paul Giamatti, isn't he doing Einstein now for, for Verizon? You know, that's why they do these things. You can't question Einstein. He's the smartest guy that ever walked the earth. And if he says that we're on a spinning ball, then doggone it, we're on a spinning ball. But again, the savior of heliocentrism is sacred and synonymous with genius, thanks to the conspiratorial propaganda so thoroughly disseminated. And in addition to his fallacies, as detailed in the Delobor Solis, not to mention the common fallacy among writers who confuse Newton's relativity with Einstein's, the latter fantasy cannot be reconciled with the Sagnick effect. This experiment reveals that the speed of light is not the same in every direction, while the theory of relativity relates that it is the same in every direction. And of course, uh, more generally, Solange Hertz accurately acknowledges that science has moved from the visible and observable to, and this is what um, Nikola Tesla said uh, in his you know, older and dying days. Um, he said that, again, science has moved from visible and observable to like, we can prove it, let me show you, to hypothetical and mathematical. And still, when we say, well, we can see too far, we, we, that destroys your theory, you just walk away. As a result, makes it all the more difficult to analyze Einstein's true purpose. Adding more light, Dr. Fromm, a United Nations cohort, and his Beyond the Chains of Illusion boasted that, quote, Freud, Einstein, and Marx were architects of the modern age. Notice he avoids the more controversial phrase, New World Order. He stayed away from that. More specifically, it is known that Karl Marx is said to have stated that he was indebted to Copernicus for preparing the world for Marxism, the New World Order. 
So exit Einstein. Let's start to wrap this up. Uh, in short, modern textbooks lie when they claim proof for heliocentrism. And I've told you before, Ghislaine Maxwell's father uh, ran McGraw-Hill textbooks in the 80s and into the 90s. And uh, some uh, shady characters uh, that work for Apollo Management up until within the last year and a half was running it before. These are not good people who write his story, right? It's not history. It's his story. And um, <laughs> uh, your history is very, very uh, shaded, um, you know, gray, gray area at the least. But after 400 years, it appears that God is right. We have now evolved full circle into the pre-16th century worldview. St. Robert Bellarmine saw no proof, nor does Vanderkamp, who said numerous experiments have confirmed geocentrism. It is stable. Before concluding the scientific section of the study, consider for a moment the supposed antiquity of the earth, ranging into the billions of years, right? The evolution and descent of man from lower life forms, the abstract theory of relativity, the expanding universe, black holes, life on other planets, right? The entire panoply of an organized myth. Each of these theories masquerading as truth. And its origin is from the father of lies. And that is Satan. And suppressing the truth has been the primary means for the success of so many of Lucifer's deceptions. Quote, from the beginning of this old serpent was rightly named Lucifer, the light bearer, for he is the source of the false light, which the Blessed Virgin later told us that Salette would soon illuminate the world, causing extraordinary wonders every place. The true faith will be extinguished. Furthermore, he and his agents have gone under various names, Gnostics, Kabbalists, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, Illuminati, Communist, the New Age Movement, so on and so forth. More specifically, even the Luciferian Albert Pike, the illustrious, illustrious excuse me, Grandmaster of American Freemasonry during the Civil War period said, quote, at the bottom of magic was science. And note that Pike uses past tense, was. Truth in general is reversed. God signifies Satan and Satan God. Good is evil. Virtue is vice and vice is virtue. Light is darkness and darkness is light. Revelation is, obscurant, is obscured and obscured is revelation. Religion is superstition, and superstition is religion. And everything with these people, with the Illuminati, with the Freemasons, the, the Rosicrucians, everything is inverted. Um, you look inside a Freemason's quarters, they always have black and white tiles. You look at Solomon's temples, black and white tiles. Um, everything is inverted. The Statue of Liberty, inversion. Um, and the Bible says in the end times, good will be looked upon as evil, and evil will be looked upon it's good, and I think that is the perfect landing spot for today's podcast. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for the emails. I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, 
Apollo 11. Of course, they love the number 11. It's uh, it's their big number. Again, the Twin Towers uh, was the number 11. The first plane that hit was the American Airlines Flight 11. AA in Gematria is 11. 11. They, they love their, their numbers. But anyway, your thoughts on um, Buzz Aldrin, Armstrong, uh, those guys. Did they know ahead of time? Or were they last minute, hey, you're going to go along with this, otherwise uh, you're going to have an accident? Would love to hear your thoughts on that. And again, our email is theflatearthfiles at gmail.com, theflatearthfiles at gmail.com. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate your emails. Thank you. Um, It was really great emails this week. Great to think about and chew on. We learned a little bit about the Norwegian Explorer, and uh, I, I really enjoyed today's podcast. Again, we'll try to do one of these a week. Um, again, Thursday, you guys should have the newest uh, interview with Bart Sabrell. We're going to be talking Wednesday evening, so I should have that plugged in, locked, cocked, and ready to rock Thursday morning with your favorite podcast distributor. So that will probably be the next one that drops So again, thank you for your continued uh, patronage. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Um, You know, please tell like-minded folks about it, and I hope they enjoy it. And um, I look forward to your emails. And I hit the wrong button. Let's try this one. Hey, there we go. Look forward to your emails, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for your continued support. And that's a wrap. You guys have a great week. And until Thursday... We interview old Bart, which will be a lot of new information coming. Keep your head on a swivel. God bless each and every one of you, and we will see you. to the Fact Hunter Radio Network. Just the facts, ma'am.